Hello, everybody, and welcome to One Flew Over the Shorebird's Nest, the Delmarva Shorebirds podcast. My name is Will DeBoer, Director of Broadcasting and Communications for your Delmarva Shorebirds. Welcome to Episode 3 of this year of the podcast. A joyous Easter weekend to those who celebrated last weekend, and a happy tax day to all of our accountant listeners out there. Reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from David Letterman, there's no business like show business, but there are several businesses like accounting. We'll try and make this show closer to the former than the latter this week. Our guest this week is Jimmy Sweet, Delmarva Shorebird's assistant general manager of several years. We'll have the interview with Jimmy a little bit later on. First, some new business, and then we're switching things up a little bit. Fan shots lead right into the call of the week this week. So we'll have new business, our interview with Jimmy Sweet, fan shots, which leads into the call of the week. What hasn't changed is our first segment, New Business. Starting off new business, ironically, with no new business, at least as far as the coronavirus outbreak and COVID-19 pandemic are concerned. For more information on combating the virus itself, as always, you can visit cdc.gov or wicomicohealth.org. Content-wise, a very busy week last week in Shorebird land. We had our MILB at home opener celebration last Thursday. Us and all the minor league teams across the country celebrated what would have been opening day in an alternate universe. All the content is still available across our Shorebird's social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find all the graphics and pictures and videos that we've posted from what would have been our 25th opening day in franchise history. Last Friday was 410 Day. 410, of course, the area code here in Salisbury and across the eastern shore of Maryland. The first Shorebirds Classic rebroadcast was on SoundCloud on Sunday. It was last year's home opener, April 11, 2019, a win over the Lakewood Blue Claws. We also revealed our 25-man roster of the Shorebirds Silver Anniversary team. Batting order, reserves, rotation, and bullpen. Right now you can find that on the front page of the Shorebirds.com. Best of the best to ever dawn, the orange and black. This Thursday, we'll have a new written piece from yours truly. It'll be an ode to Arthur W. Purdue Stadium, our home since the franchise's inception back in 1996. Lots of players have passed through on the way to bigger and better glories, but just about all of them remember Purdue Stadium as a sort of pinnacle of their minor league careers. Front Office Friday, it's a new segment we started last week, profiling one of Shorebirds, a front office staff member each week. Last week it was Director of Ticket and Merchandise Operations, Ben Posner. Video-wise, we got a Spring Cleaning with Sherman, episode number five coming out on Saturday. And Sunday, our second Shorebirds Classic. It will be April 18, 2019, a game of the Greensboro Grasshoppers in which the Shorebirds won their 10th game in a row. It was a game that featured four home runs and another pitching masterpiece from Grayson Rodriguez. You'll be able to hear that game rebroadcast in its entirety on the Shorebirds SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com slash the Shorebirds. Now it's time for this week's feature interview. This week we'll hear from Jimmy Sweet, Assistant General Manager of the Delmarva Shorebirds. Jimmy is the longest tenured member of the Shorebirds front office, joining the team back in October of 2003 after five years with the Frederick Keys. He became Assistant GM back in 2007 when the seventh inning stretch ownership group bought the team. Here he is, Jimmy Sweet. 
Today on One Flew Over the Shorebirds Nest, uh, we're chatting with the Assistant General Manager of the Delmarva Shorebirds, man who's been here since October of 2003 uh, with the organization, and the man whose uh, wave of the hand signals it's time for the players <laughs> to take the field. It's Jimmy Sweet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Sure. Glad to be here, Will. Thank you for having me on. So that uh, wave of the hand, which uh, lets everybody take the field, uh, where, where did that come from? So my first game in 2004, um, it, it's kind of funny how it happened. Uh, I was uh, trying to, we have two-way radios that we communicate with people on staff. Mm -hmm. and, and when I was communicating with the guys up there to, hey, team's ready to take the field, I don't know if they could hear me, hear me. For lack of better words, we couldn't get to them. And the guys were like, I'm getting ready to take the field. So I just put my hand up. Wave the finger, and once, and that's just stuck ever since. There you go, and a tradition was born, and it's been that way pretty much every game since that '04 season. Yeah, uh, now you've been here and seen some really great baseball uh, at Del Marva since '04, but that first season you saw maybe the best guy to pass through here in terms of major league longevity and productivity. Uh, what do you remember about uh, Nick Markakis from his time here? Nick Markakis was a—he uh, was a very special talent. Um, I was actually, when the Orioles told us that he was coming here, I was very excited to watch him, um, as well as that, that pitching staff. Um, there was a lot of prospects in, in that with Lowen, and, and I, there was four guys that, that had, uh, uh, who made it to the major leagues, and I can't remember all of them. Um, like Hayden Penn was another one, but there was definitely some good guys here. But, but you could just tell. I mean, it, especially at this level, Guys are who are good, and then there's guys that they're no doubters who are definitely making it to the show, and, and, and Nick was one of them. I mean, I remember, and I can't remember the exact game, if it was late April, early May, but someone hit one down the line in right field, and, and he goes, goes into the corner, picks it up, and throws a one-hopper and throws a guy out at third, and I'm like, that just doesn't happen at this level. I mean, again, he had a special talent, um, and, you, again, you could tell that you knew he was going to, Make it and make it quick up to the major leagues, and 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 he did obviously, and and again, like you said, it's been there forever. So it definitely set the bar high in terms of your first year here in Del Marvin. You see a super prospect like that. Uh, is there anyone else who's really uh, met that bar for you in the time since? So, uh, of course, Manny Machado. Mm -hmm. um, it there, there's two people when when they first played here. You know, everyone's here, they're socializing, yes, they're watching the game, but they're here to, to chat and have fun with their family and friends. But Machado, his first at-bat, this place, I mean, you could hear crickets because everybody was focused on him. And, and again, he, and I, I think he knew he was that good. So his first, first at-bat, he hits one, and the third baseman's down in his fielding position. And so his glove is around his knees. And the next thing you know, as soon as Manny hits it, the ball's bouncing off the guy's shin and, and going going into foul grounds in, in third base because the guy couldn't react quick enough. That's how hard he hit the ball. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Um, and I've been in the game since 1998, and that's the first player I've ever seen have that special hands that, you know, when you're at bat that, again, these are all professional players. They're, they're good. They're the best of the best, and he was obviously better than them. Um, and you know, Manny saw it and, and, and went, you know, went down the line, obviously got his base hit, and he was like, just had that little grin on his face. He didn't say a word, just had that grin, and people were like, and the whole stands were like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. And then the other player was the following year, Dylan Bundy. Ooh. Um, 
at this level, again, I think it would believe if I'm not if I remember correctly, it was 30 innings worth of uh, pitching, and the guy didn't give up a run. I mean, he was electric, and every time he pitched, first of all, he and it was great for us. He'd pitch on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and he was packing this place. I mean, there was three, four thousand people here on any given night that he was pitching, and every time he pitched. Again, the place went quiet. I mean, those two players were the only ones that I can remember were the place going absolutely dead silent. Dead silent because they were focused on on their play and what they were doing. That's exceedingly rare in the major leagues, for one, but in the minor leagues, especially when, like you said, everybody's socializing and they got other stuff to do. Uh, when you have a player like that, I mean, it's great for the fan base, but it's great for the front office, too, in which you know Dylan Bundy pitches on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, and you're drawing Friday and Saturday numbers. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, <laughs> trust me, we were, we were making sure when we were watching the pitching rotation that he, you know, he wasn't going to pitch on a Saturday because, again, when, when you... If he gave a boost on a Saturday night like he did on the Tuesday, Wednesdays, I mean, we would be sold out. I mean, we we would be past what fire code would allow us to have in here. Um, and that that almost happened because um, he was scheduled to pitch on the, the Saturday on Memorial Day. Oh, my. And that's, I mean, again, you've been here for three years now. You've seen the crowds that we have. When we're home on Memorial Weekend, this place is packed. And he was... Um, supposed to pitch on that Saturday, and, and me and Bitters are like looking at each other, like, "What are we going to do here?" And then the day afterwards, the, once we saw the rotation, the day afterwards he was promoted to Frederick, and we're like, "Good, thank you." <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine the advertising closings that can come up with that. Come see Dylan Bundy before you're not allowed to anymore. You can you risk Maryland law to come <laughs> and see Dylan Bundy. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was that was uh, that was a, definitely a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Jimmy Sweet right now, Assistant General Manager of the Del Marva Shorebirds. You mentioned 1998, that was your first year in professional baseball, and it was a unique uh, team that you worked for in Frederick. It wasn't the Keys, it was the Frederick Regiment of the Maryland Fall League, which played just that one year in 1998. What do you remember about that time? I just remember the baseball. Um, it was great baseball. I mean, so, so the guys were coming in. Uh, there was the four teams in Frederick, Bowie, Delmarva, and Wilmington. Um, and the major leaguers basically divvied up their players. Um, where And I can't remember exactly who we had. I, I do remember the Angels were definitely one of ours, the Texas Rangers. Um, but, again, there, there, there were seven teams, and they were divided up. Seven major league teams divided to each of the fall league teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were getting high – well, we were a high A baseball, but you were getting the best of best of high A baseball. Plus, each team was allowed five double A players, mm. um, and just the baseball was outstanding. It was it was it was definitely a fun time to, as a baseball fan. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to draw the crowds that we were hoping to, um, and that's why it only lasted lasted a year. Um, our owners at the time, Maryland Baseball, you know, worked with Major League Baseball. Um, to see if it would be feasible, and it's just we weren't able to put the bodies in the stands uh, to watch these guys. But people missed out on good baseball. Yeah, it sounds like it, and it sounds like you know they've established it in Arizona now, where uh, temperatures are a little bit warmer, but the temperatures in Maryland are still hospitable for baseball in October. And I can imagine a scenario where if they committed, say, three or four years to it to let it grow, then maybe it would have uh, stuck around and we still have it today. I, I, w- I would 100% agree with you because, uh, like you were saying, you know, especially the first, like, three weeks of the season, I mean, it was gorgeous. It was perfect weather. You know, but that last week, last week and a half, I remember it 
getting really chilly and and you know again people when you invest the money that major league teams do into these players you definitely don't want to have anything happen due to the weather that's true so you worked in frederick for that year and uh Grew up in Frederick, of course, you're a mm -hmm. Western Shore guy by birth. Uh, you moved to the Eastern Shore October 13th, been here for over 16 years now. Uh, was there a, a moment for you uh, living in this area, which is so unique in the country, that made you realize, hey, I guess I'm one with uh, the Eastern Shore now? I don't know if it was just one specific time. It's just been my whole time here. Um, again, like you said, born and raised on the Western Shore, so my family would vacation minimum once once a week down here in Ocean City, if not more. Mm -hmm. um, and then growing up, of course, I loved the beach, so I would come down here. And it's funny because uh, my friends back home always knew that my ultimate goal was I wanted to work for the Delmarva Shorebirds, and this would, would this would be my last job. Really? Because I love the Eastern Shore so much. Um, and... Lo and behold, uh, Frank Maselli came to me um, back in October when, when, they when, when they hired a new regime down here and said, hey, you know, you obviously have a lot of baseball knowledge. We need you to need your guidance to, to help us get to where we want to get down there. Of course, I said yes, and, and uh, like I said, been here ever since. So it's really not just one thing. It's, it's the entire thing. I mean, the friendliness of the people, friendliness of the business owners. I mean, it... It's funny, a lot of small towns say this, but, you know, people people do business and, and, and conduct business with who they like. But it's tough to get those open arms um, where they can take you in. And Delmarva Peninsula, since day one, has really taken me in and made me feel like family. And you just don't want to leave places like this. It's special. It's very, very special. Yeah, I've been here for just three years, and I can already realize that it is special. And you know, it makes you kind of hard pressed to uh, to leave it. You know, in your case, uh, you know, you knew this was going to be your final job. Well, I did, and again, and that was before I got here. And 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 again, there's been times, you know, where where things have offers have been made and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know what? This is home. This is where my family wants to be. Um, we live in a good neighborhood. Our kids went to good schools. You know, again, we've been here. 16 years we've been here a long time and and again yes i know i lived in frederick for a longer amount of time however uh this is home this is home i'm sure the cherry on top of all that is uh, all the great golf courses that are up here <laughs> that is very true as you know i love to play the game of golf even though i'm not that good but but uh, there is a ton of golf courses around here, and there are actually some 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 very nice ones. Yeah, which ones are your favorite to go and play around? Well, the ones I've, I've played at the most is River Run. Um, they're a partner of the team, so I, I, I definitely love that course. Um, Rum Point, um, which is actually in West O.C., right, right, it's roughly about, I don't know, seven, eight minutes from my house. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it, it, it's right on the bay. I mean, it's... It's tough, but it, 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 it's a beautiful course. Um, and then I guess my other one would be the, the Yacht Club. Uh, or it's not called Yacht Club anymore, but Ocean City Golf Club. It's, again, right on the bay, um, and, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. Like, when I play golf, I, yeah, I like to play the courses that have the beautiful views. I don't, you know, just want to see trees because I hit enough of them already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, essentially, if it's an outdoor sport on a brilliant green field uh, and you're swinging at a ball, then it's the sport for you. Absolutely, and I think that's why baseball. Again, I've always I've always had that passion for for baseball because my dad actually um, 
was very good at baseball, and it was it was his first love, and he bred that, and you know, embedded that into me. And, and, and since I was, I don't, I can't even remember since when. Um, and I've just loved the game. It's it, when it comes to sports, it's it's yes, it can be slow in action, but it's also the most prettiest game um, when it's played properly. Exactly, and it's the sport that best connects you to the past. You know, your dad was. Uh, big baseball guy, my dad, big baseball guy. It, it's one of those that you can trace your baseball lineage back several generations as opposed to certain other sports where, you know, uh, maybe a, a parent was into it, but beyond that, you know, it wasn't really big enough yet. Oh, no, no, you're you're 100% correct. Um, and, and, and the other thing that I, that I definitely remember from, from my younger days were, you know, playing Little League and, and with all the kids in the neighborhood is, it was a good time where all, all the families came together because, mm -hmm. you know, back then, you know, it just wasn't the dads helping out with the team. I mean, all the moms would come out to all of our games and, shoot, our dads had to calm our moms down most of the times because they'd be yelling <laughs> and howling and everything else. And we're out on the field like, what is going on here? Some things never change. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for joining us. I know you're busy, man. Uh, it was great to talk to you. And... Uh, well, look forward to whenever the season starts and <laughs> seeing you wave your arm and seeing the players take the field. I can't wait for that time either. I'm getting a little stir-crazy already, Will, but thank Absolutely. you. Shifting gears on One Flew Over, it's time for our segment for Shorebirds fans. By Shorebirds fans, it's Fan Shots. You yourself can submit your favorite memories and can hear them on this very podcast. We'll take either written or spoken submissions. Just send them via email to wdebor at theshorebirds.com or you can post them as a comment on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll post the link of this podcast and that's how you can submit one of your fan shots by posting a comment on the link. This week we'll hear from Vernon Lee. His selection proved to be a rather popular pick as a fan shot. The no-hitter turned walk-off Grand Slam from last season, April 13th, 2019. Popular answer indeed, and it leads us right into our call of the week, or in this case, inning of the week. The Shorebirds won 90 games in a historic run last season and had a lot of great moments. None so greater, though, than what happened on April 13th, 2019. One of the most unlikely wins in the over 3,300 games played in Shorebirds franchise history. It was a Saturday night at Purdue Stadium, April 13th, against the Lakewood Blue Claws. Not the best start for the Shorebirds. They fell behind 5-0 by the second inning. The pitching settled down from there, though, and Gray Fenter even struck out eight batters in four scoreless innings of relief to get the Shorebirds through the middle of the ninth. The problem, of course, was that Lakewood pitching was even better Kevin Gowdy, the starting pitcher, tossed four hitless innings. Then Ethan Adanko came in for a hitless fifth. James MacArthur relieved him and had it going through the eighth inning, keeping Delmarva out of the hits column. Keep in mind the Shorebirds had endured a no-hitter at Charleston's hand the previous August, so it was fresh on our minds how unpleasant it is being no-hit. By this point in the press box and in the broadcast booth, we're all just sort of rooting for one hit, any kind of hit. Oh, we got so much more. And in honor of the calendar presenting us with the one-year anniversary of this incredible game, you're going to hear the bottom of the ninth as you did on Fox Sports AM 960 in Salisbury that Saturday night. Presenting the full, uninterrupted bottom of the ninth of one of the greatest games in Delmarva Shorebirds history. 
James MacArthur is on the mound for Lakewood. And due up in the inning for your shortbirds are Seamus Curran, Will Robertson, and Ben Brazil. Well, here we go. Bottom nine. Shorebirds five runs to make up and three outs to do it. Five-nothing Blue Claws. Three more outs. Try and break up the combined no-hitter for Kevin Gowdy, Evan Ivanko, and James MacArthur. Curran, Robertson, and Brazil, the five, six, and seven hitters due up for the Shorebirds in this inning, starting with Seamus Curran, who's 0 for 3. First pitch, breaking ball low, and it gets by Gutierrez. Squirts to the backstop for ball one. The flashpoint of this no-hitter, a error call in the seventh inning as Curran takes inside for ball two. There's a grounder hit towards Colt Stobie at third base by Andrew Frijay. Stobie had a good chance of making the play and did not. 2-0, swatted foul and out of play over our left shoulders, and it's 2-1. Distinct bobble is the phrase. 2-1, fastball up and in for ball three. So three balls and one strike. Seamus Curran, the pitch from MacArthur, swung on and missed for strike two. A half swing on a high fastball. Curran couldn't check, and the count moves three balls and two strikes. Infield shifted to the right for Curran. MacArthur, both feet on the back rubber. Begins the windup. The payoff pitch. That's looped into right cent left center field. Matos on the run to his right. He makes the catch, and that's out number one. Will Robertson coming to bat now. The Shorebirds last year had a combined no-hitter through nine innings. D.L. Hall and Alex Katz. First pitch to Robertson outside for ball one, but Shorebirds couldn't score, and neither could anybody else, so it was scoreless going into the 10th. Hagerstown able to break up the no-hitter and get a run to win the game 1-0. 1-0, Robbie fisted foul and out of play over our heads, and it's one ball and one strike. Five runs, 12 hits, one error for the Blue Claws. They got their first five runs in the first two innings. 1-1, cue ball foul down the first base side, and it's 1-2. and two. Shorebirds, no runs, no hits, and one error. MacArthur. Standing tall, a nod to Gutierrez. The wind up, the one-two pitch. That's high off speed for ball two. Now the wind up quickly, the two-two pitch. Slider low and away for ball three. This has been a far from perfect game for Lakewood. They have walked six batters. Seven, in fact. We missed one. Three-two. Fouled out of play, straight back, and we'll do it again. Seventh pitch coming to Robertson, and a right-hander's getting loose 
for Lakewood. It's Robinson Martinez as MacArthur appears to be nearing the end of his rope. MacArthur, three balls and two strikes to Robertson. He wheels and deals. Outside, ball four. Eighth walk of the game issued by Lakewood pitching. So Ben Brazil comes to bat now. Brazil shot a soft liner into left field in the fifth inning. And ended up getting caught by Dela Cruz, who had a perfect read on it. Middle infield at double play depth right here as Gutierrez pointing out the runner in Robertson. Lakewood's not holding him aboard. So Will might be tempted to try and take second base here. First pitch, Brazil a swing and a miss and a fastball for strike one. Five-nothing Blue Claws, bottom nine, Shorebirds trying to break it up. Breaking ball gets away from Gutierrez, a wild pitch, and now that eliminates the double play possibility. Will Robertson takes second. James MacArthur, ex-Ole Miss Rebel. Trying to sit down Brazil here, an ex-Demon Deacon. 1-1 is cracked deep into center field. Long run back from Matos. He reaches up. That's over his head. Bounces on the warning track. The no-hitter is done. The shutout comes to an end as well. Robertson scores standing up. An RBI double for Ben Brazil. And the Blue Claws fall two outs shy of the no-no. Shorebirds get on the board. Both hits and runs. It's now 5-1 Lakewood in the ninth. Brazil hit it to the deepest part of the ballpark. About 398 feet. He missed a home run by a few, and that will be it for James MacArthur. As he's hit 61 pitches, and Mike Micucci comes out to give him the yank. Robinson Martinez now just trying to finish off the ball game for the Blue Claws. We'll tell you about him next on the Delmarva Shorebirds Radio Network. Bottom nine, Shorebirds down five to one. They've got a hit. Ben Brazil with an RBI double to center to score Will Robertson. So no infamy tonight as Andrew Frije skies one. And the infield right side, second baseman Guzman's under it, makes the catch. That's out number two. And one pitch and one out for the new pitcher, Ar Robinson Martinez, on your Coastal Comfort call to the bullpen. So the last chance for the Shorebirds today is Nick Horvath, who's 0 for 2 with the walk. Martinez trying to finish it off for the Blue Claws as he comes inside, and that hits Horvath at the bottom of the back of the batting helmet. Sound like ball on plastic. So Horvath is on. And it flips the order. Caden Grenier comes to bat. Caden a walk and three strikeouts today.
Wind up first pitch, a swing and a miss to fastball, and it's nothing and one. Martinez, there's the number 16 on his back, making his third appearance of the year, hasn't given up a run yet, as Grenier takes high for ball one. 21 years old from Mocha, not the fictional kingdom in that old economics video you watched in high school, but the actual town in the Dominican Republic, Mocha. He does have a save. 1-1, and Grenier punches it in the air towards left center field, falling fast. De La Cruz on the run. He won't get there. It splits the gap and rolls to the warning track. In to score is Brazil, and Horvath coming in right behind him. A two-run bloop double for Caden Grenier, and all of a sudden, the Shorebirds have made a game of it. 5-3 Lakewood in the bottom of the ninth. And that brings the tying run to bat in the form of Robert Newstrom who's been known to flex his power before. That closes the book now on MacArthur. Two runs, both earned on one hit in three and a third innings, four walks and two strikeouts. Newstrom today, 0 for 3, a couple of strikeouts and a walk. They overshift the infield for him. Martinez, the stretch, the first pitch, fastball, outer half called strike one. Shorebird Crowd coming lively with the late rally. Grenier's at second. Newstrom the tying run at bat. No balls, one strikes, two outs in the ninth. Here comes the pitch, fastball up and away for ball one. No hitter and shutout. Both ended on Ben Brazil's RBI double. And Nick Horvath was hit by a pitch after a pop-up. And Grenier with the double. That's where we are now. Martinez, the chest, the kick, the 1-1 pitch. Off speed outside for ball two. Hall on deck, Encarnacion in the hole. Robert Newstrom, an early season slugger for Delmarva, putting up great first week numbers. 2-1 pitch, fastball outside, ball three. And this is a... Certified hitters count, 3-1 to number 3-1. Perhaps there's a reason why he wears that number on his back. Martinez peeks at Grenier at second base. The kick, the 3-1. Outside ball four. Newstrom walks. The ninth walk of the game by Lakewood pitching, and now all of a sudden the tying runs are on base. The run that could win the game is coming to the plate in Adam Hall. And we see Mike Micucci, the manager, almost sprint walk out to the mound to call in the entire Lakewood infield. Crowd getting loud now. Lakewood's led by five runs since the second inning. They got five off of Drew Rahm. But Matt De La Rosa, Gray Fenter coming in to calm the storms. The Shorebirds were no hit with one out in the ninth. Ben Brazil had an RBI double that scored Will Robertson from second base. Andrew Frejay popped out to second. Nick Horvath hit by a pitch. Caden Grenier doubled him home. Newstrom walked, and now we're here with Adam Hall. 
You can feel it coming in the air tonight. Can you? Hall, by the way, has one career home run. He got it last year with the Aberdeen Ironbirds. In the midst of a dozen extra base hits or so, it came against the Lowell Spinners in the middle of his 19-game hitting streak on August 15th. First pitch, low and inside for ball one. Five runs, 12 hits, one error for the Blue Claws. Shorebirds with three runs, two hits, and one error. Grenier at second. Newstrom the tying run at first. Adam Hall has walked three times today and struck out once. Looking for his first hit. Minor concern just to extend the hitting streak to six games. The major concern to keep this game moving along. 1-0, a swing and a miss, a changeup. That was a fastball kind of swing to Adam Hall. Robinson Martinez just trying to limp across the finish line. The stretch, the 1-1. Inside corner, called strike two on a breaking ball. And now the Shorebirds down to their final strike. Outfield playing about normal depth. Infield shifted just slightly to pull for Hall. Martinez peaked at second base. Now the 1-2 pitch, slashed foul and out of play. Look out, first base concourse. We'll do it again. Some late excitement at Purdue Stadium. There's a fireworks show to go off after this game ends. What kind of fireworks do we have? beforehand. The one-two pitch. Inside, did that hit him? Yes, it did. Hall is clipped on the belt, on the buckle, and that loads the bases. Grenier moves to third, the tying run in Neustra moved to second. The run that could win the game for Delmarva is standing at first base with great speed and stepping up to the plate, John Carlos Encarnacion. Big J.C. He's 0 for 4. You could say he's due. Martinez ready at the chest. The stretch, the first pitch. Scraped foul. It's back to the padding, and it's nothing in one. And with every little nick of bat on ball, I can sense a whole swath of people to the right of me in the press box flinching. I'm right there with you, folks. Martinez ready at the chest, the 0-1 pitch. Rolled foul again, and now Encarnacion quickly behind, no balls and two strikes. Grenier at third, Newstrom at second, Hall at first with two out in the ninth. It was this way with nobody out in the first. The Shorebirds didn't get anything off of this setup then. Can they get something now? 0-2, Martinez, the rock and the roll. High fly ball deep in the left field. De La Cruz back into the corner. Warning track. Wall. Turn. Watch it go. Ball game. John Carlos Encarnacion. A walk-off grand slam. And the Shorebirds, who were two outs away from getting no hit, have come back to win the game. Seven to five in the ninth. J.C., he did it! The most unlikely of wins for the Delmarva Shorebirds. A mile high. He needed to get it 3.09 down the line. He got it 3.10.
And with all due respect to Q105, no fireworks show is going to beat that tonight. A walk-off grand slam for JCE and the Shorebirds, who get just three hits on the entire night, have put up a touchdown in the bottom of the ninth and won it seven to five. Holy smokes, what a ball game. What a Saturday night at Arthur W. Seven to five, the Shorebirds beat the Lakewood Blue Clies in the most unlikely of fashions. Whew. A walk-off grand slam for John Carlos, JC, and Carnacion to win the game. He was down to 0-2. If he swings and misses, the Blue Claws win. Instead, it's a 7-5 Delmarva Shorebird victory. For the Shorebirds in the ninth, seven runs on just three hits, no errors, nobody left on base. Your final score from Arthur W. Delamarva Shorebirds seven, the Lakewood Blue Claws five. They mobbed John Carlos Encarnacion at the plate, dousing with the water. Will Robertson raised his arms to the crowd in celebration, in jubilation. It's not likely we'll see a win like this the rest of the year, ladies and gentlemen. We're back to talk about it in a moment on the Delmarva Shorebirds Radio Network. Folks, I'm 28 years old, but my soul feels at least triple that age. At times, it's positively geriatric. If and when we get around to this season, it'll be my seventh as a broadcaster in organized baseball, over half of them with the Shorebirds. In that time, I've called a smidgen over 600 baseball games. That was one of the two or three craziest games I've ever had the chance to call. The only way it doesn't automatically take the cake is because I once called a game where my team was down 11-0 in the 8th and 11-1 in the bottom of the ninth, and came back to win it 12-11. That was a Northwoods League game in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and it's the only thing that even comes close to what I saw that night in Salisbury. Those are the kind of games you dream about, and we got to see it last year on April 13th at Arthur W., Turns out it was a sign of things to come for the Shorebirds. That was win number five in a row at the time. They'd eventually double it for their longest winning streak in eight years on the way to their greatest regular season of all time. And that will do it for this week's episode of One Flew Over the Shorebirds Nest. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review of the podcast. We're hosted on a website called Anchor and also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our thanks again to this week's guest, Assistant Shorebirds General Manager Jimmy Sweet. You can keep up with the Shorebirds online. Follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc., or visit theshorebirds.com for all of your updates. And I'm on Twitter personally, at Will DeBoer. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Our guest will be 2019 Shorebirds outfielder and top Orioles prospect Robert Newstrom. New episodes are available both during the hiatus and whenever we get back to the great American pastime. Until then, this is Will DeBoer saying stay healthy, stay safe, and may all your favorite bands stay together. You've been listening to One Flew Over the Shorebirds Nest, the Delmarva Shorebirds podcast. So long, everybody. This has been a production of the Delmarva Shorebirds Baseball Club. 
Class A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles.